front line. Forgive me for crying so early in the morning. I apologize. I'm a bit sensitive this morning. Um, only because I really believe that what God wants to do this morning is a sensitive work, is a deeply rooted work. Um, but if you, will, if you will receive, if you will be humble enough to receive, there's great breakthrough this morning. Is anyone wanting to receive breakthrough this morning? For, the, for, for anyone in this room, just raise your hands if the last few weeks have been battles, struggles, intense like no other. Yeah, that's pretty much everyone in the room. It's, it's hard, right? And then you come to church and you put a smile. Bless you, brother. God, how are you? Amen. <laughs> Lord, help me. I don't. It feels like that. So I really hope that this morning you are encouraged and that you leave. Renewed. So, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. Should be on the screen as well. And I'm reading from the NLT version. Let me know when you're there. Amen. Verse 23 of Matthew 8 says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, unexpectedly, without warning, not in our plan, a fierce attack, oh, sorry, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But... Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. And if you quickly go over to Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. It begins by saying, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, in a humble tone, encouraging them, saying, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked out, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he encouraged him, saying, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? (laughs) Imagine that. You call out to Jesus, and you're like, you're waiting for that encouraging word. And what you get is, why did you doubt me? You have so little faith. I found that funny. Um, When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Amen. So this morning, actually, let me, let me backtrack a bit. Since Friday night, we had an amazing time here, like I said, and afterwards, I just felt burdened. What I had planned to say today changed. Because I get a sense that we are the disciples in the boat. I know for myself, I, I'm, I'm a disciple in the boat. The last few weeks have been intense. The last few weeks, the attacks have been so relentless that 
there were moments, times, days where I was down. I was fearful. I could not see hope. And I broke down crying. Hence the sensitivity today. Um, so while preparing for this word, I asked God, what is your word for the people? What is your word for me? What, is, what are you saying in this moment? And he gave me these two verses. And I want to start with just going through Matthew chapter 8. Uh, if you can put that back on the screen. But it says, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake. Anybody feel like in the last few weeks you hit an, there's an attack that just hit you that you did not see coming? Out of nowhere. You know, you have those attacks that you see coming, like, mm, I'm about to do this at work, or my family is going through this, and this could happen. But there's an attack that just comes out of nowhere, blindsides you. There's never a hit that hurts the most like the one that you don't see coming. Right? The disciples were with Jesus. They are having their quiet times. They were praising God during the day at work. They were telling their co-workers about Jesus and what he's doing. They went home and with their wives and with their kids, they were exercising the things that Jesus has taught them. And then all of a sudden, uh, a wave hit them. Retrenchment stuck, struck. A divorce happened. Your child got sick. Somebody passed away. Um... Your health has just suddenly dropped. The child that you have been praying for has gotten worse in their condition. You feel more distant from God now than you did ever before. And in a moment, just as, as fast as that click, in a moment things changed. But we do the Christian thing. We wake up in the morning and say, I know my God is for me. I know my God is with me. I know my, oh, this bull, just like Rachel was saying. Oh, my boss is in a terrible mood again, and actually it looks like they, they want to fire me, and I haven't done anything wrong. My wife has been like this. My husband has been like that. The kids have been a mess. Doesn't it seem like when it rains, it pours? The waves are crashing into your boat. For me, that's been the hardest thing to understand. Where is God in all of this? And he's still in the boat. What? What do you mean you're still in the boat, God? How? Do you not see this mess? Do you not see this? My heart is breaking. You, you, your, your word says, it says somewhere that you're not in my heart break. It says that somewhere in the Bible. I know it says you're not in my heart break. You'll give me victory over my manager. You'll, bring this, you'll do all of these things. Lord. I know it says in the, I don't have the time now because you know my time is precious. And you and I have to have a conversation right now. We'll read the Bible later. Don't even worry about it. But like, come on, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Help me. Help me. Just, 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 just calm the storm. If you can just calm the storm, I'll be okay. If you can just get rid of the storm, you know, I'll be fine. If you can just get rid of the storm, you know, my faith will be strengthened again. You know, if you can just do this, I can believe in you again. You know, Jesus, if you can do this, if you can do this, if you can do this, who are we to tell God what to do? Hey? Come on. Can I get some real people in the house this morning? Who are we to tell God what to do? Who am I to tell him, God, the eternal father, the most amazing person in this universe, the one who took time and said, you know what? The, the earth deserves another person. I'm going to create someone. I'm going to call him Jared. I'm going to shape him like this. I'm going to do a whole bunch of things, and he's going to be amazing after I have put more of myself into him. I have such a great plan for What's that, Jared? I'm going to stop what? I know you're not talking to me. I made you. I created you. I have a plan and a purpose for you. Did you not read my word? Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know that the plans I have for you Declare the Lord of plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. Did you not read that, Jared? What's that? The waves are overwhelming. Well, life is overwhelming. My word is overwhelming. But so is my grace. So is my mercy. So is my strength. So is my portion. What are you asking me for? Are you asking me to change the situation or can I strengthen you a little? <laughs> Four weeks, and I, I, I owe this to Sean. Sean, thank you for being an obedient son of God. 
for weeks, years, months, actually. I've been measuring my Christian journey like this. The highs and the lows. The ups and the downs. Oh, God is doing great things, you know, things are going well here and all of these things. And I heard from him and this and all a bunch of things. And boom, things are going bad at work and I'm fighting enough with everybody around me and I can't seem to keep my peace and my quiet times are just going. Ah, but I got my quiet times over again and I'm going up. And you know what, I'm going to sit to someone at work and somebody else came to know the Lord. But you know, that person started fighting me again. And then all of a sudden, my finances are going down and my health is not looking so good at the moment. And oh, okay, things are picking up. We live life like that. A lot of the times. In a moment where it hit me the worst, I didn't, I didn't realize it until Sean came and prayed for me. That's why I'm thanking him. And the one thing that God said to him, through him, for me, was that it's not about the highs and the lows. It's about the rhythm. We live life like this. It's about the rhythm. The movement. What is God doing? He's going here, I'm going with him. He's going here, going with him. If he's going up, he's going up, I'm going with him. If he's going down, he's going down. There's a rhythm. It's not about the things that are happening to us. It's about something far deeper. That's what's happening in this verse. Understand it's not about the waves. The Bible says that that section, um, I think it's the, uh, which lake was it? The Red Sea is prone to uh, sporadic waves, random waves. It's not that long, it's not that big. It's about seven miles wide, 13 miles long. But it's quite deep. It's 150 feet deep. And because of the mountains and the whole ge geography of it, r random waves, random storms can happen. They happen often, but you cannot plan them. Well, back in the day, I'm assuming they could not plan them. Yet the disciples had to cross there. They had to go through something they could not foresee. Why? Here's the answer, and if you don't get anything else in the message today, just, just get this. Because God was using that to do something internal. God wanted to strengthen their faith, to strengthen something that he saw was weak. I wasn't expecting many amens from that because it's, it's, it's a complicated thing to understand. Because we live in a time and an age where sensitivity is at its highest. Man, you say something to offend me, oh, it's over for you. You and me, we are through. We are done. We just, we live in a culture and time where offense, insults, um, injury, all these things are received so freely so we can count ourselves out. So we can say, ah, it's because of this that I am where I am. So we can feel justified in our place of negativity. So we can feel like we deserve the pain that we are going through. Why do we register more with the pain than with the purposes and power of God? Why? Somebody tell me why. That's a genuine question. If you have an answer, please come see me at the church. Because I don't get it. Man, I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm more prone to siding with the pain than I am with the blessing. Why I want God to change my situation but not change my life. And that's what he wants to do. That's what he's doing in the disciples' verses. You know why he went, they went through the boat twice? Because they still did not believe. It starts there. It starts with believing. Understand this, that the physical circumstances around them were real. This, my body, is real. This pulpit is real. Everyone in here is real. But understand, what's more real is the spiritual realm. What God is doing there is more important than what he's doing here. He knew there was going to be a storm. He sent them into it. But what was he doing? He was sleeping the first time. The second time he was taking a stroll. <laughs> <laughs> Come, cool, casual, like nothing's happening. Why? Because the physical does not affect God. He knows the spiritual is where things happen. The Bible says that in, in Matthew 14, 22, that Jesus retreated to pray first. Maybe he knew a storm was coming. Maybe he knew that storms are unexpected. But what he did know is that he needed Jesus more than he needed answers to a situation. 
Mm. That one cut deep. Was that an amen or aina? I'll take the laughs as an aina. It's hard, right? None of this sounds easy. None of this sounds like my version of Christianity that I want. God doesn't always give me what I want. He gives me what I need. So, one of the verses I want to go into just very quickly, and I really don't want to take up too much time. My wife and my family always tell me I speak for hours. We have a joke in our family. Um, don't give a Badesi a mic. You don't. Oh, no, I'm Jared. I'm unprepared. You're going to give me a mic in the name of Jesus. Ooh. My father can turn grace into a healing and deliverance service. The food gets cold, and then you don't eat. So I guess it turns into a fast. <laughs> Love you, Dad. Jesus responded in verse 26, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Ow! If God had to tell me that, ow! I'm going to be honest. This is me being real. Ow! I didn't please God, and I want to please God. Oh, what do I do now? I'm giving up on this Christian life. I'm sick and tired of this, man. I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't want to give it up. I'm tired of this, Jesus. You know, you're always picking on me. You always, you never pick on Rachel. You never pick, you see how she's smiling all the time? You don't see how she's smiling all the time? You're always picking on me. You're always telling me I don't have faith. You're always telling me I'm doubting you, but I'm not the one doubting you. See, I'm speaking to you. She's speaking to you right now. No, she's making curry. I'm here speaking with you, Lord, and you don't want to speak to me, and you want to tell me that I don't have faith, and you want to tell me that I'm not to you, and you want to tell me all these negative things about me. You're supposed to be the God that's supposed to be putting seeds in me, telling me good things about my life, telling me about all these different things. And you see how we get? Come on, somebody's registering with that. Do not let me act out for nothing. Because <laughs> there's a lot of energy, man. I need electrolytes after this. You know what happens? I brought this. This is a, a smiling... Stress ball. Kirk? No, no. Okay. Keep it. Why did you catch that? Who does that? Okay. Why did you catch it? Did I ask you to? Then? So you just receive whatever gets thrown at you. Interesting. Oops. Oh, Pastor Ryan. <laughs> Pastor Ronell as well. Oh, okay. Oh, I see what she did there. See what she did there. You're one step ahead of me, but that's fine. Well done. Give that man a chocolate. Pastor Ryan, but I didn't even say anything to you. You just out here catching offenses? you just receiving what's out there? Hey, offense, I'll take it. <laughs> nah, I need to take this to the Lord. No, nah, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. I'm out here, to, I'm out here to catch all of these different things and help people. That's not your place. That's not what we're meant to do. Where's that ball? It's going to hit it away, I must. Because Jasmine, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to insult you. It's fine. That's what we're meant to do. Throw away offenses. But is God offending us? No. You know, it says in that verse that he says, why did you doubt me? You have so little faith. And then it says the next thing he did was rebuke the waves. Why do we take what Jesus says to us as a rebuke? Maybe because it is. But is it against us or the sin in us that he wants to get rid of? Mm. That's interesting. Do I see God rebuking the sin, or do I see God rebuking me? You know, sensitivity is a tool, not a weapon. God gave it to us so that I can be sensitive to you. I see you're going through something. I feel it. You want to talk about it? Let me pray with you. Let me walk a journey with you. That's sensitivity. Oh, you're saying nasty things to me? It must be because you're hurting yourself too. Yet we use it the other way. Oh, you're saying negative things towards me? It must be me. <laughs> you have so little faith. God is revealing the area in which he wants to work on. 
That's what I want you to see this morning. The area where it's hurting the most, that's what he wants to work on. That's where he wants to be. It's not about the storm. It's not about the sudden events. It's not about the things that have changed in your life. God can change that in an instant when he wants to. He's more concerned about changing your life than he is about changing your situation. God could care less about the situation. He made this world. He made everything in it. He knows how it works. He has structured everything to work together for your good. That means even those waves will work together for your good, if you can see it that way. But if you don't want to see it that way, Mark 14 comes. And you go through the same thing. Hmm? Anybody going through the same mountain over and 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 then it's December and it's Christmas time and you take a break and then January comes and over 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 and then it's your birthday month and then it's over and over and over and over and over and then there's next December and you say, you know what, I'm going overseas this year and then you come back in January over and 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 over. I feel like that. God dealt with the most hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life in this last few weeks. And it's my constant need to fail. I, Jared Badesi, always have a constant need to fail. Because there's been so much of failure in my life, I looked more to those situations of failure as a reflection of who I am, rather than what God intended. I took those waves to heart, thinking it was going to end my life. Made decisions based on a temporary situation. But because God really wanted to test me, he brought it again, and again, and again. And I was the one who thought, this must be my lot in life. What are you facing this morning that you feel like is your lot in life? Something you've gone through. Your dad has gone through. Your mom has gone through. Your grandparents. Your great-grandparents. That is called a generational curse. Who's going to break it, though? Are you going to wait for somebody else to strengthen something that God wants to strengthen within you? Are you going to wait for faith to rise up in someone else instead of in you? Because that's what he's doing. That's why generational curses still exist today. Because nobody wants to take what God is saying as an opportunity to grow with him. There's always an opportunity to grow. You know where faith is? Faith is in the walk, not the destination. So one of the verses I have here... Um, you can get it on the screen. Well, actually, no, it'll be two. It'll take two. But John 15. Oh, sorry, not John 15. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. No, that's another one, actually. That's not this one either. Basically, there's two stories in the Bible. <laughs> Before Jesus, well, just after Jesus died and he was resurrected, and a chapter or so, or in the same chapter, a little bit later. Two women go. They prepare spices. They prepare a whole bunch of things to go and honor Jesus. Even though he, they feel like he has let them down. Out of obedience, out of honor to him, they go and do what is right. So they walk, not knowing that he has been risen. When they get there, the tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away. And an angel sits there saying, who are you looking for? Those two women who acted in obedience received the revelation first. Did you notice that? Faith was in their walk. Why go visit a dead man today? We can do it tomorrow. It's not like he's moving, going anyway. But they knew the right thing to do was to go every three days. The right thing to do was to pray every single day. The right thing to do was meet with Jesus. To be in his presence, even if his body is dead, just to be in his presence, to be in that area, to be where he is. I'd rather be there washing a dead body than to be away from him mourning. And they get there and they receive revelation first. How many of you want that to be your walk in life? 
Yeah, me too. Later in the chapter, there are two gentlemen walking away from the town where Jesus was just crucified. Talking to one another saying, oh, I feel let down, I feel hurt. I feel like what I was hoping for didn't come true and didn't come through. And How do you feel? Yeah, I feel the same. I thought God was going to come through to my house next. I thought he was going to preach. I thought I could just touch the hem of his garment and be saved. And all of a sudden, God meets them there. Jesus meets them there, disguises himself, but gives them revelation. Later on, they realize who he was. And when they see Jesus, who he is, he disappeared. Two things I saw in common with those verses. There was revelation on both ends. But how are we receiving it? You know, there's a, few, there's a course here at, at When It Was Still Harvest, the prophetic gifting course. And one of the things they said that really stuck with me is, God is always talking. Are we always listening? Preparing for this message was exactly that. It wasn't like there were going to be moments of uh, divine glory that, God, that I just had to wait for. He's always speaking. How much he's saying at that time is a different story. But he's going to walk that journey with me. So what are we listening to this morning? Unfortunately, we live in an Instagram day and age. Pastor Ryan, I think it was you who preached on the microwave blessings last week. No? Then it was a podcast. Sorry. But they, this pastor speaks about how we live in a microwave generation. We want things a lot faster than before. If we don't get it now, we don't get that uh, uh, justification. We don't get that, uh, uh, that sense of God is with me. We don't get it now. We start feeling like, Ugh. God is not a microwave God. We actually want to be like microwave popcorn. That's what we want to be. We wait for that moment where something pops up within us, and then we are who we are meant to be. It's the walk. It's the journey. God is building faith. God is building strength in the walk, in the journey. And when moments like these come around, these hard moments, these difficult situations, and believe me, I'm not demeaning what you're going through right now. I'm not saying that what you're going through now is insignificant. No, there's significance in it. The difference is what is the significance. Right now, God wants to strengthen something within you. Are you asking him for strength? Are you working on your faith? Both times Jesus told them the same thing. Why do you have so little faith? Why did you doubt me? The same thing, twice. We take that as an insult. We take that as a rebuke. God's not rebuking us. He's saying, this is the area of your life that I want to work on. One thing that God taught me during this whole preparation for this message, gold. When it is found in its raw form, there's a whole bunch of impurities in it. Yes? Everyone knows that there's a boiling process gold goes through. It goes into a fire. It goes into a furnace. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. What was comfortable has now changed. Everything was cool before. Now, I'm comfortable in my job. I think I need to design. I don't know what's going on with my, my, my spouse. My spouse is just, they're, they're like this all the time. Just, I can't do it anymore. Oh, at work, things are just going, oh man, my finances, oh man, my health, all of these things. They just, they make us feel uncomfortable. Why? In the discomfort, the impurities that God wants to work on come to the surface. You see, I cried for days when God told me that I always look to fail in things. My two elder sisters are here. My elder sister had like bursaries in high school and varsity. Middle sisters, like similar story. They all got all A's. Um, my parents are like, you know, what do you want to do if you get all A's? Oh, you want to go here? Okay, we'll do, we'll do that. You want a car? Yeah, we'll get that for you. Jared, when you pass. Um. Uh, yeah, let's just, let's start there. <laughs> but if you get all A's, <laughs> I didn't realize how much that affected me. Oh, man, I don't want to talk about this, but I, I guess I have to. 
I saw the failure in my marks as the reflection of who I am. And not only that, I saw failure in life, you know. You're not making people happy as you can. You know, because you're a people pleaser. Ah, that person's upset with me. That hurts. Oh, man, I didn't do my best in that situation. There's so many times, even here at Frontline, where I come and lead praise and worship, where there's that, there's that sense of failure. You know why I want you to see that failure? So you can see who I really am. That's hard for me. I realize that that failure, that want of failure, is something I see in every aspect of my life. And I use that as my excuse to take a step back. To not step forward in faith and take what God says he has for me. To be who God says I really am. I'd rather sit back in the dark with my little blanket, comfortable in my pain. Because I don't see a way out of it. I, I, I don't know how God is going to get me through this. This is so deep in my life. It's going to take forever. These waves are crashing so hard over me right now. We're bound to die. If we don't die immediately, we're going to drown. That's how I see it. Who said you were going to drown? Who said that was going to be the end of you? Who said that was God intention, God's intention in the first place? God never said that. God never said that this is going to be the end. You know, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, this shall not end in death. So when there was death, what did we do? Oh, Jesus was wrong. Is Jesus ever wrong? So then it must mean it's not over. God is faithful to complete every work within us. Come on, church. Come on, church. But God, I don't know how to see past my own want of failure. Jared, you don't have to see it. You just need to see me. Both times that disciples were in trouble in the boat, when they looked to Jesus, come on, you're missing this. When they looked to Jesus, whether they saw a way out or not, they knew that with him in the boat, if they can just reach out to him, if he can just arise in the situation, I didn't say wake up, I said arise. There's another good one that you must. If Jesus can just stand up in my situation, rebuke the waves, I will be fine. When do we pray and ask God to strengthen us, though? How often do we do that? You don't have to answer me, but think about it. Are we praying for strength? Are we praying that the Holy Spirit empowers us during this trial? No, because we don't want to be in something uncomfortable. God never said that we would lead fully comfortable lives. But he would say that we would witness to others. How do you witness to something that you've never struggled through? How do you, how do you say that to someone, I've never had fear, but I understand what you're going through? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God would rather fix something in you through the situation so that you can be his proxy here on this earth where it's needed the most to help others go through that. Don't worry about the wind and the waves. Don't worry about the, the boat that you're in and the waves that are crashing in. God is for us. God said, he will meet us on the other side, he will meet us on the other side. You know, the devil does, one, does this really well. He doesn't affect your spirit, contrary to popular belief. He affects your physical so that you can affect your spirit. Josh, if I tell you um, uh, your favorite color is blue and it's not, you're not going to believe that. But if I say, hey, man, all of this, it seems like your favorite color is blue, you're probably going to sit back and be, maybe, maybe it is. You plant that own seed in your head. 
So when the waves are crashing in and you get that sense of death, it looks like I'm about to die. It looks like this is going to be the end of me. It looks like this is my lot in life. It looks like this is the struggle of my family. It looks like I'll never get beyond this. It looks like God is not on my side. It looks like God doesn't care. It looks like, it looks like, it looks like. What is it really? Really, it's God changing something in our life. It's a test of faith. So where are we getting these false images from? That's a bit of a rhetorical question, but you'll get that later. The devil. The devil's always lying to us, telling us we're not worth it, telling us we're going to die, telling us that this, we are the problem, or that is the problem, or this, or that. Can we hear today in this moment? And we're going to pray shortly. I'm almost done. That what we are going through, God reveals the true intention of our situation. That's how we move forward. If we don't deal with it now, you're going to go through the same mountain over and over and over. And for those of you who haven't had kids yet, when you have kids, they will have to go through that mountain for you. You know, in Exodus excuse me, and Leviticus, the generation that was disobedient, that did not want to see what God was doing, that did not want to obey God in the situation, that generation had to die before God's people saw the promises of God fulfilled. But was it easy? No. There was battle upon battle upon battle upon battle. God says in his word that those who he loves, he buffets. Uh, Arafat, can you come here for a second? This is my bra, Arafat. A boss personal trainer. Look at him. As a matter of fact, check here. Anybody want to come miss me after the service? <laughs> Here's my backstop. And he's colored. <laughs> now nah, I love this guy. Arafat is my personal trainer. He does this boxing thing with us, with Rachel and myself. And I was just asking Rachel the other day. Arafat did this weird thing where um, it's a core exercise. He says, right, strengthen your core. And then he does this. I'm like, why is he punching us? It was the strangest thing ever. And then he's like, okay, good. Now, the sides. And he starts boxing my sides. And I'm just supposed to sit there and take it. What nonsense. <laughs> and he only did it once, so I know he's, he was angry at us that day for something. <laughs> I think he took that as an excuse. No, this is going to strengthen your court. Out of why? what does that exercise do? Um, it gives you... Uh, teaches you how to use your core, actually, okay. besides the punching, yeah. So the fundamental part of it is that you need to strengthen your, you need to, you need to activate it in order for it to work. And how do I do it is by punching it, so I know you're going to activate it. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll, you'll tighten up at that point in time. So that's a way of teaching, me, teaching you how to activate your core, yes. Thank you. No, no, you're not going to punch me. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and Pastor Ryan is strong. Oh, I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> Look, if you want to teach me something, you use words. Just do not go home and punch your spouse. Do not. I'm not. Hey, 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 front line. Do not be punching your family after this. Counsel all of you after this. There's a strengthening that happens. There's an activation that happens through something we don't want, something we don't fully understand, but something that we need. It's for my benefit. It makes me stronger so that I can weather bigger storms, so that I can help the people next to me. Hey, I've been through that. I understand. Here, let me help you. This is what God is saying. Here's what I've went through. Let me walk this journey with you. Let me be in the boat with you. Let me walk through this with you. I rebuke that which is not of God right now in the name of Jesus over your life. That is not what God is saying about you. This is what God is saying about you. If you can learn this lesson, then you can move forward. Don't worry about the winds and the waves. Don't worry about the crashing. Don't worry about the, 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 the feeling of imminent death. It's not about that. That's not what God wants. What God really wants is for you to call out to him. Recognize that something in you God is calling out to. He's not just calling you to say, Peter, walk out on the water. What did Peter do? He says, in faith, Peter walked on the water. In faith, 
Peter walked on the water. So God wasn't calling to him, saying, come to me. He was calling out to the faith in Peter. Peter had to activate it and say, let me walk. Let me take a step. Let me go. I'm doing this. I got my eyes fixed on Jesus. This is happening. It's really happening. And miracles can happen if we just activate our faith. But what happens when we look at the waves rather than our God? We start to sink. And I think that's where a lot of us are at as well today. Yeah, Jared, I've been walking and I thought things were going well and then things just sank. Understand that the physical is what the devil is going to use so that you can bring fear into your own life. It's hard to focus on Jesus when our physical is screaming at us. So here's my advice. Do not lose focus on God. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you right now. Understand that God is saying, fix your eyes on me. The waves are big. My God is bigger. I know that God can do something good within me. And where I don't have faith, I can say, Lord, strengthen me. And you know what God just says? Focus on me. Focus. Keep it chill. We don't need to have the answers. Even if we don't rebuke the waves, that's what God does. That's what God's power does. And if he wants to do that through you, he will. But your first priority is to focus on God. The devil's gonna let oh wow. The devil's gonna let the waves try and scare you. He's gonna heighten the things around you to make your focus flip. Fix your eyes on God. Now's the time to sink your, your to sink your feet in. Get deeper with God. Call out to him more. Walk a journey with him more. The more things as each day passes, I'm seeing more ways for the devil to influence people. You know, I, this is a controversial topic, so I don't, like, say amen or anything like that for this. But, like, there's a TV show, Game of Thrones, Power. Um, I don't know, all these shows are, like, unnecessary. Uh, what's the other one? Forget. Lucifer, yeah. I'm hearing stories about this thing. No, but, Jared, you need to watch it because the plot is amazing. <laughs> the plot may be amazing, but my soul is at risk. I'm not going to do that. What you expose yourself to more often, you will become. So where you are struggling in faith, what are you exposing yourself to? A friend of mine was, was telling me the other day he's going through something. He's battling with us and the family are going through some serious stuff. And I'm not going to take away from that. But then I found out that the day before, um, he was, they were betting on the outcome of Game of Thrones. Uh, while he was having uh, some drinks with his friends and a whole bunch of things. I'm not here to condemn him. I'm not saying that his lifestyle is bad or whatever. But understand this. There are some things in your life that you need to let go of. They are dampening your faith. Sure, there's grace. Sure, God can forgive your sins. Sure, God can do a lot. What are you doing in that time? Are you doing everything you can to keep your focus on God? Are you doing everything you can to make sure that your relationship with God is your first priority? Don't take this as condemnation. Take this as what it is, an opportunity to strengthen your faith. There's only, that's the only thing I get through today. Take opportunities to strengthen your faith. There are going to be things that you need to let go of, things that are going to change. Your circumstances around you will change. They are all to strengthen your faith, to do something deeper within you. Because just like gold, when gold gets really hot, it gets uncomfortable. It changes shape. But you know it never loses its value? Did you know that? In the purification process of gold, it never loses its value. It may change its shape. It may be dispersed more. There may be a lot of things stretching it. 
But the only difference is the impurities rise to the surface that whoever is boiling that gold can then lift out and remove. It doesn't change the value, it brings out the value more. That's what 24 karat gold is. The least amount of imperfection. That's what God is doing in our life. See that there's value within you. See that God has taken time to input stuff in you. You are worth more than you think you are. Don't look at your impurities and think that that's who you are. God is not saying, I'm casting you out. He's casting what's inside of you out so you can see more of who you already are. Don't use that sensitivity as a weapon to hurt and damage yourself. See it as the tool God uses to remove what doesn't belong. Amen? So this morning, I just want to pray. Can we close our eyes? And if you're sitting next to someone, I want you to please take their hand. John 15, 19 says, The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Don't see the attacks as God hating you. See it as success. God is for me. This world may not like me, but I'm not here to please the world. I'm not here to be a son of the world. I'm a son of the Most High King. So I'm going to pray in a moment, but for now, I want you to pray over the person next to you. Assume that they're going through a, a storm right now. Whether you know them or not, whether you know the storm or not, prophetically, just pray over them. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You're breaking chains right now, Lord Jesus. I can feel it. With your blood now, Lord Jesus, cleanse them. Make them as white as snow, Lord. What the devil has held against them today, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would see it for what it really is, Lord. An attempt for them to doubt you. Lord Jesus, we choose not to doubt you anymore. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pray for the person next to you. You could be what they need right now. That person to walk that journey with them. To help strengthen their faith. Just pray. If you have no words, pray in the spirit. Pray in tongues this morning. Break every chain, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. These are the moments, church. Focus on God right now. Hear from Him. He wants to speak to you. He's here. Just receive this morning. Freely you give, freely you receive. Pray for others as they are praying for you. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's in the rhythm and not the ups and the downs, Lord Jesus, where you reside. Strengthen our faith, Lord Jesus, that we can go through these obstacles with you, Lord God. We want to please you, Lord Jesus, and we, we understand now, Lord God, that when you speak, whether it's good or bad, Lord Jesus, it's not about the highs of the good and the lows of the bad, Lord Jesus. It's all about the rhythm. You are breaking things and restoring things. Breaking things and restoring things. Tearing things down and replacing it with something else. Removing the impurities so that more value is given. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that right now you are restoring us to the image that you have of us today, Father God. No longer the false images of this world. No longer the false standards of this world. Your word says that we are 
are peculiar people. We are a strange nation, Lord God. We are not of this world. We don't have to conform to their standards. But right now, Lord Jesus, we ask that as you change our hearts, change things within us, you make us more effective on this earth. As we endeavor, Lord God, to reach cities and nations and every strata of society, Lord God, bring breakthrough, Lord God, restoring lives, Lord Jesus, transforming lives, Lord Jesus. Start that transforming work within us, Lord God, that we may witness to others, Lord Jesus, that we will be able to relate to others, Lord God, that there will be a great work done on this earth today, Father God, as you complete your work within me. I give you all the praise, all the glory, Lord. I know you don't let me go around this mountain for nothing. I know it's not just because of disobedience, but you keep giving me opportunities to hear from you. You keep giving me opportunities to receive from you. You keep giving me opportunities to change, Lord God, more and more into your image. I know that when gold is at its most purest, it becomes reflective. Oh, Lord, that we would reflect more of you, our creator. In the name of God, our Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. For each one, still with every head bowed and every eyes closed, for each one that heeds the call this morning, recognizes that there are areas that need to be strengthened, that they've been going through, I want you to raise your hand. Amen, amen, amen. And for the second group of people, you, you've, you've, never, you've never known God before. But this God that we speak of, you want to know more of. You want to give your life to Him today. You want to know Him more, walk with Him more. I want you to raise your hand too. Amen. Amen. So let us all pray this together. Our Father in heaven, we give you glory for all that you've brought us through. We know now, Lord, that it was all for our good. Forgive me, Lord, for taking it as a rebuke. I see it now as a strengthening. Continue your work in my life, Lord Jesus. I choose to give back my life and everything in it to you. Renew my mind. Renew my heart. Renew my soul. That I may be purified in your image to give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 